listening to the Leadership Woman podcast with me, Jill Savile. And today my guest is Darren Robinson, managing partner of Anderson Wise, and he's going to talk more about how he created that. I also see from LinkedIn that he is in the top 100 expats for 2021. Um, And I believe that Anderson Wise is in the financial sector. Is that right? You recruit for the financial sector. Correct, Jill. We are working with the financial services industry in Luxembourg. So as usual with these podcasts, then I like to begin, uh, we will end up with where you are now, but I, I want to start with where were you born so that we can see how did you get to where you are now? Yeah, I, actually, I'm a Midlander. Um, so I like I was, <laughs> Yeah, I was born in Leamington Spa. What was that? That was in 1969. Um, I just made it in um, to 69. It was in November. Um, and yeah, what can I tell you about Leamington Spa? It's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it's uh, I suppose it's a Victorian town. Um, and it was made a royal town by Queen Victoria um, back in the day. Uh-huh. Um, and it has a, yeah, it's one of those um, spa towns. Although I do remember we always used to play a joke with any visitors to taste the royal spa waters. Um, and basically it's really salty. So it's not very nice at all. Mm. 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 No. So how, how were your school days then in Leamington Spa? Okay, Um, I'm pausing a little bit because I'm going to put it into two parts, and that is my primary and secondary school. Now, the primary years were were fabulous. Um, It was the the days where we walked or we cycled to school. Um, None of this dropping off by the cars by our parents. And in fact, in the neighborhood I was um, in, none of us, none of the families had cars anyway. And it was a lot of fun. Um, I think the, the, the teachers were engaging. Um, you know, the, 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 the years where the summer holidays lasted, those six-week summer holidays in the UK lasted for months and months. Um, the times where the, the weather was fabulous. Um, so in, uh, such happy memories. The, the reason I paused at the sort of primary school was when I went to secondary school, I didn't do so well. Um, my education didn't, I didn't perform as, you know, as my teachers would have said to the best of my ability. I was distracted easily. And I think that, you know, what I realized later on in my later teens, um, that I did want to have a better education. And um, I recognized one of my best friends at the time went on to university and I hadn't even considered university. It was one of those um, places that none of my family, including my extended family, had ever considered any tertiary education. But when I recognised one of my friends had made it to university, I thought, well, maybe I could do that. Um, So I I went through a very long route of education and I decided to take what was um, known as an HND, a higher national diploma. Um, And I also had to have extra evening lessons to even complete that because I had fallen so far behind from the secondary education. And from achieving a good result in the diploma, I then managed to um, to go on and and get a degree. 
So, um, and that's really at the time where degrees were important in the 90s um, to, you know, there were graduate roles as there are today. But in the 90s, you couldn't move into certain um, companies without a degree, as you can today. And I know they're becoming less relevant. Mm. Um, but at the time, it was super relevant. Yeah. So what I heard was that you were the first person in your family to go to university. Uh, and it's so important, isn't it, to have a role model, to have somebody that you look at and you think, oh, wow, well, if they can do that, I can do that. I very often think that um, I also didn't do so well at senior school, easily distracted. And I was in a grammar school and in a class with people who had doctors for parents and lawyers for parents, but my parents weren't and it never entered my head mm -hmm. to go on, that those things were open to me. So thank you for, for sharing that. So you went to university, you got a degree mm -hmm. and uh, what happened then? I remember first applying to um, graduate roles, but I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So there was actually, um, and this was probably my first concept of a, a recruitment officer, because there was a recruitment officer at the university. And I did a psychometric test. And what came out was um, sales. I could be good at sales. And the recruitment officer then put me in touch with graduate opportunities in pharmaceutical firms. I had no idea what, what, what it entailed. But what did happen was the recruiter at the time, and this was you know, 25 years ago, said to me, have you ever considered recruitment? And of course, that was the trigger for me to eventually end up 25 years later in this industry, because I hadn't considered it. But when he described what it was, it, it, I was hooked. I wanted to pursue that career. And did you pursue it straight away then, or did you do something before? Well, this was the north of England, and I had ambitions to be in the capital. <laughs> I don't know why. You know, you either love it or hate London. And at the time, I thought London was my calling. So, you know, I remember thinking, right, if I'm going to go to London, I want to work for a recruitment firm in London. This was, this was the business that I wanted to now pursue. And I did something um, a little bit strange at the time. I, I asked my father to hire a fax machine. Now, this is going to make me sound like a dinosaur. <laughs> um, but I remember sitting up in my um, bedroom at home in Leamington Spa with this fax machine that my father just about managed to afford to hire for a week. And I created a, um, a CV with the help of my university housemate that created these little cartoon characters of me doing um, my hobbies. One reading, running, another was sort of socializing at a bar, which at the time I thought was funny, but now I think, what was I thinking? Um, and what I did was call up the prominent recruitment firms that were based in London. And when I had somebody on the phone um, that was the person responsible for hiring recruiters, usually a team leader or a manager of the firm, I would ask them if they could go to the fax machine, pick my CV up, and I would talk them through it. And that was, they liked that forthright um, attitude of, you know, now I have you on the phone, I've sent my CV, have a look. And what was fortunate for me is most of the firms, if not all of the firms, 
found my CV incredibly engaging and amusing. Um, and that really got me the, um, the interviews. So I went down to London, stayed on several friends' couches for a week and interviewed, I think it was six firms I interviewed with. And there was one in particular where I remember it was all afternoon. I met 13 people and I knew that was the firm that I wanted to, um, to hire me. And fortunately for me, even though there was a, a delay of about two days thinking I, I'm not going to get an offer from anybody. Um, and my father had spent, you know, some money renting this fax machine. But fortunately for me, they all came back with an offer. Um, and I chose the one that um, I, I knew that the 13 people I met, every one of them I liked. And that's so important, isn't it, to actually like the people who you work with. Uh, and how brave. I, I think it says a lot about your personality. Not many of us are gifted with that <laughs> enthusiasm for cold calling. Um, and going back to a time where you hired a fax machine for a week, but of course we hired televisions as well, didn't we? We put money in the right. thing. Uh, um, you talk about the cartoon characters, which, of course, I noticed on LinkedIn. You recently published uh, an article and you put your little cartoon characters. And yes. I thought, how original, how original. So um, you went down to London. This was your aim. And you started working for the firm that you'd chosen. So what happened then? Yeah, so um, it was a great firm. The firm is Robert Walters. Um, and they really gave me a fabulous start. Um, I think, you know, they were the formative years of my leadership, um, but also as a um, somebody that worked, had never worked in an office before. So it was it was a fabulous time in the sort of mid to late 90s. Um, I met my would be wife um, there as well. So I have a lot to owe to this company. And I was fortunate enough to be there for a couple of years. Um, I had already started my management responsibilities and it was a director of the Australian office just happened to be in the building um, visiting, doing his annual review or what have you. And one of my bosses at the time was Australian and she said, why don't you catch up with him and see whether there's opportunities in Australia? I thought, why would you want to get rid of me? Um, but she was just looking out for my career. And, and that was fabulous. And of course, I, uh, I did ask him whether he was free. And within three days, I had an offer to go to Australia with my, and my wife and I went with him, I think, three to four months later. And we spent, um, yeah, we spent almost five years in Australia. We got married in Australia. Um, and yeah, we returned to the UK in 2003, 2004. One of the very first words you said about primary school was it was fun you had fun and you've got cartoons and and spontaneity <laughs> within three days you'd got an offer to go to Australia <laughs> this seems to be a thread throughout your life yeah um the thing is I do make decisions quite quickly and that can be a good thing but <laughs> as we know it can also be a bad thing but the one thing that I, I can be known as is decisive. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, and yes, as you say, any strength, if it's taken too far, can become a weakness, can't it? So you ended up back in the UK, bringing your wife back. Yep. Uh, any family by then? No, no, we, we started our family much later, in 2009. Did you go to Luxembourg from there or did you go somewhere I else? Did. I did. Um, so I was with the firm, my, my previous firm, Bagnott and Clark. So I, I, I joined them in London in 2004. I had um, an opportunity to, to come over to Luxembourg um, and grow the business in Luxembourg. And, and, and I took that opportunity in 2006 to move over permanently. And the reason they chose me is because they, they said I had international experience. Now, if anybody's been to Australia, it's not quite like Europe. <laughs> but, but the fact that uh, they gave me this opportunity was, was fabulous. And I've, I've certainly got no regrets, of course, moving to Luxembourg. Mm. Um, because it's been 15 years and I started my the family so um, we have a, a true Luxemburger you know he was born here in the local system and so he speaks all the languages. So you were in Badenoch and Clark you were growing the business in Luxembourg what happened next? Well I got a new boss um, in 2018 and um, we didn't get on um, to cut a long story short. Um, however, um, surprisingly to me, um, and it was, you know, five days before Christmas, I remember it very well, in 2018, where, yeah, I was told that I, my services were no longer required with the company. So after 15 years, it came as a huge shock, um, especially when the business was doing so well. So that was the, the, the bit where I felt, um, well, okay, ego bruised for sure. Uh -huh. um, I, I didn't feel good <laughs> for, um, it didn't take me long to bounce back, but it, I would say, you know, a week or two, I did feel um, a little bit worthless, um, but also very disappointed in, in the firm that, you know, I'd given so much to um, over the years. So you bounced back, it took you a couple of weeks, you felt a little bit worthless and it it's, probably useful for people to hear that somebody like you goes through that kind of thing because we all see you as very bouncy and let, let's get on with it. So that must have been a shock. The timing could certainly have been better. Um, so what, what happened then? So, yeah, so I was thinking, well, what do, I, what do I do next? You know, I wanted to stay in the industry. Do I contact a firm that's already here and... Um, think about growing that firm and what I did realize was I wanted to be in Luxembourg and not necessarily have an international role because the previous four to five years you know I was I was growing a business across the Benelux and the Nordics and traveling three or four days a week now that not only is terrible for the planet of course that I've realized but more importantly I was I was really away from my son during his formative years and I regret that time away. Although I did consider, you know, should we move, but Luxembourg was going to be my first um, place to decide. So was it going to be with a firm that was already here or really maybe a firm that hadn't established here and I could create it? And I remember my, my wife walking past my, <laughs> the desk that I'd makeshift desk that I'd created at home. And she asked what I was doing and I was updating my CV. This time it didn't have stick men on. <laughs> But maybe that could have been a good idea. And she said, I said, well, I'm updating my CV. 
And she said, isn't it time to do something yourself? Oh, my word. Yeah. And yeah, it was interesting because I had calls from and meetings, of course, from my colleagues who basically said, whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, we want to come with you, which was that's why the bounce back, I think, was so quick. Yeah, um, I think it would have been a lot longer if I hadn't had that support from my team. And uh, that was comforting. And one of the things I remember having a conversation, which was, what about if we do something together ourselves? And, you know, that was something that we decided we would set our own firm up. And with their support, that's what we did. You know, there are 10 of us now, including me, um, that are all from the old organisation. And we set up Anderson Wise. And, you know, on reflection now, it really was the best decision I never made. Yes. You were, you were pushed into it. Yeah. I think it's something I've shared with people before where, you know, I, I've lived a life with a fear of failure. It, it can be debilitating um, in one sense. Um, but, of course, it's liberating another because you, you do everything you can to succeed. And I go, if I went back to when I was doing the tertiary education and why I had to go through the longer route and, and take night classes to, to, to get a better understanding because I didn't feel that I could fail. But of course, that can be quite stressful as well. And I think that was why I hadn't made the decision myself to do something myself was um, the fear of failing. But of course, you know, I've, I've, I've not necessarily overcome it, but I recognise that um, I didn't need to worry too much about it. Yeah, it's great to have that awareness. And also, if we have that fear of failure and it puts pressure on us to succeed, we can also be quite a pain for people to work for because it puts extra pressure on them, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I heard that you got great support. It helped you to recover and bounce back. And... Um, Anderson Wybe is thriving and now well known in Luxembourg. How has recruitment changed over the years? I remember a conversation with you. You're probably the first person that many expats meet <laughs> when they come to Luxembourg. And you always get us to join the British Chamber. Uh, and I remember us having a conversation about recruitment and talking about women. And I was saying how it felt for me at least one decade behind the UK in terms of women being part of the working environment. Um, can you remember what you said to me? How long ago was this now? This must have been, was it 10 years? Oh, yeah, easily. And I think you said, yes, Jill, but I can put women in front of firms, but actually they're not interested yeah, and that does seem like a lifetime ago. Um, and that has changed. Oh, um, And thankfully, it has changed. Those dinosaur leaders, I'll call them, uh, for 10 years ago, now retired. But now, of course, we, we are getting requests um, to make sure um, that we're always balancing the people that we're presenting for roles, and especially leadership roles. The challenge we have is how many 
you know, do we have um, how many female leaders in the pipeline? But at least now there's a recognition that a balanced leadership team is a good approach. That's good. And you touched on this idea of leadership, how you've developed your leadership. And you mentioned flying everywhere and climate change mm-hmm. and things. Yeah. Um, there will never be such change as we're going to see over the next decade. Have you thought about how is it going to affect the recruitment industry? Well, I think that, you know, the idea now where we need to be physically everywhere. So, you know, I look now, you know, we've recently established an island desk. Now, 10 years ago, I would have certainly created a physical office in Dublin. And the pandemic has, has, has proven to me that we no longer need to do that. We can do that remotely. I remember you saying when we talked before that managing remotely, you were quite old school. Mm. And that wasn't something that you wanted to do. Have you changed your view? I have. <laughs> yeah, I really have. I. I wasn't somebody that worked from home. I didn't think it was productive. <laughs> Can hear people cringing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I totally flipped um, to the other side where I recognised that you can be and I can be and everybody else can be just as productive. I think the, the things that we miss, though, you know, when we're working from home, we, we miss that camaraderie. We, we miss sometimes the, the lessons that the team can bring as well, you know, by just overhearing challenges or thoughts about, you know, business ideas. We miss some of those spontaneous interactions that you don't get from working from home. Um, and that's where, you know, I set up a regular team meeting, you know, um, online and also one-on-ones so we could really still keep in contact. And we have a very active and very humorous WhatsApp group which is, you know, it's rarely about business, um, to be honest with you, but it is, um, it's kept us engaged and kept us connected. So it's the human side that keeps us engaged, isn't it? It's not the business. Yeah, Yeah. but we've started to, you know, return to the office uh, more and more days now. Will will it be back to the five days? I don't think so. I, I think on average, we'll be three or four days in the office. And those that will do um, four days are probably purely because of the Frontelier's tax situation. I'm, you know, now of that, yeah, that, <laughs> my thoughts are now with the, if we, people want to re- work remotely, of course they can, total flexibility, which we've always had. Um, but now I, I believe in it a lot more. Yeah, I think there's a difference between having, feeling sort of obligated to be more flexible and actually buying into it and believing it yourself and I'm sure that the people who work with you will feel that difference yeah 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 Yeah. so to round up there were a few things for people to take away what would you say they were um being yourself as quickly as possible I think um you know when I first started in the the firm in London you know I was surrounded by some incredibly educated and very competent people I felt um, a little bit overwhelmed and I realized as soon as I was comfortable being me in my own skin um, I prefer I, I perform so much better that authenticity so I think the 
you know, I mentioned about change. For me, the fear of change, it reflected more on that fear of failure. So if I did make a change, then would I fail? And, you know, I, I was in a situation where I wasn't really happy at work. With hindsight, I should have made the change a lot earlier. We don't need to be unhappy at work. There are multiple, multiple opportunities right now, you know, across the Western world that people do not need to be stuck in poor working environments with poor bosses anymore. So you know, my message is, you know, don't wait. <laughs> don't wait as long as I did. <laughs> change ended up being incredibly good. Yeah, incredibly good. So be authentic. Change is a good thing. Yeah. Um, what's number three? Yeah, I think I've been incredibly blessed with working with um, great individuals all through my career. Um, learned a lot from various managers, good and bad. You learn a lot from the worst as well as the best. Um, but of course, there's a preference. And I think, you know, recognizing that the fortunate position I'm in today is because I had a great team and that great team are with me today. We, um, we have such fun together. Um, there's not a day goes by, and this can be just from reading some silly message on WhatsApp or through a meeting that we're having face-to-face -face or online. Um, I, I'm, I'm with such a, a great team, and, and to be part of that, I'm, I'm incredibly blessed that, um, you know, having worked with people for so long, we're still all on the same page. Um, and I think because of that, um relationship we have with each other i think that resonates or at least translates into the success and the we want with our candidates and with our clients you know business takes care of itself because we have such a great team dynamic um and yeah i i, I just i just love what we're doing and i love the guys <laughs> You just love what you're doing and you love the guys. And I think that's a great, we've, we've gone full circle. You began, you talked about fun, fun at school, and you've managed to translate that into a career and a job that really suits you and benefits everybody around you. So Darren Robinson, thank you so much for being my guest today on the Leadership Woman podcast. Thank you, Jill. I don't know if you can hear it. That's the doorbell. And I've no idea where Laurent is. Two seconds. <laughs> can you hear my dog? I can. Oh. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, Never sorry. Mind. <laughs> I think I'll, I'll probably put it as an outtake at the end. Because <laughs> she went. I'm on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Where do we, what are we going to start with? Are you going to start asking that question again? I'm wondering whether to start all over again. Jill, I'm going to have to start again. With That's somebody. okay. Where did we get to where it, because um, it sounds like I'm going out and just getting drunk with people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
So uh, what's the final point? Hmm? Oh, final point. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You're going to ask that again. <laughs> <laughs>